And uh, by show of hands, real quick, as we get started this morning, how many of you, I guess parents, grandparents, have gone through the, the event of dropping off a child at college? By show of hands, how many of you, so some of you this morning are waiting on that for the first time. And so uh, as I was kind of thinking about this week and just kind of reflecting on our, our text this morning, I took a journey back down memory lane, uh, down a long time ago, back to the, the year of 2016. I know it's been a really long time. And uh, the August of 2016, uh, when my parents did the same for me, I remember uh, loading up my car, my parents' car, and they drove, we drove uh, to the big city, the thriving uh, metropolis that is Marshall, Texas. And um, if you don't know where Marshall is, that's okay. Uh, not many people do. And so we drove to Marshall and we drove onto the campus of East Texas Baptist University. And we got there and I went and checked in. I did all the things I was supposed to do. I got my key for my dorm. I got my mailbox key. I did all the things, make sure all the paperwork was done. They made sure they got their money because that's very important. And uh, then the day kind of started. We did all the college things, right? The cars got unloaded. All the stuff got taken up to the dorm room, got everything unpacked. And uh, then we did the thing that every parent and college, new college student does that I learned that you should never do is go to Walmart on the day that everybody's moving in to college uh, because every student from the college is at Walmart that day. But nonetheless, we went to Walmart, got all the things that I had un- invariably left at home and uh, brought them back to the dorm, got every, everybody settled, got all my things unpacked, and uh, then we went and grabbed lunch came back to campus and the time came. It was time. Everything was unpacked. It's time for mom and dad to go home. And it happened just like you would think. Mom got a little misty-eyed, right? We said that, you know, we kind of hugged and she said bye and she started walking because she didn't want me to see her crying, you know, that whole thing. Me and dad did the weird, you know, like we're kind of men, so we kind of bumped fist and kind of did the side hug thing, you know, as, as guys do. And then they left. I walked them down to where their cars were, and uh, they drove off, and now I'm a college freshman, and I have no idea what to do. And so I did whatever I thought I could do. I was like, I knew there was an event happening later that night, so I just went back to my dorm room, and I sat on that plastic, uncomfortable mattress that that they give you when you're a freshman. I sat down on my bed, and for the first time, I realized that I was more alone than I ever had been before. I was on a college campus. I didn't know anyone. I had just gotten here. My parents had left the only people that I knew on that college campus, and now they're gone. And I came to that sobering realization that I'm by myself, and I'm on my own. And I realized in that moment very, very quickly that to get through this, to get through the next four years of of what college had for me, I was going to need and I was going to have to depend on a community of people around me. I knew from that very moment, all the things that my dad had told me leading up to going to college that I kind of brushed off like, okay, yeah, whatever you're talking about. In that moment, it became very real. And I then knew I needed a community of people to get through this together. And that not only goes for college, but I think that goes for all of life as well, right? And I think as we look at our landscape today of the world and of our country today, I think what we see is a lot of people trying to do it alone. 
What I think we see is a lot of people trying to just do life by themselves. Oftentimes we can get into this lone ranger kind of mentality, right? I pull up my bootstraps and I don't need anybody else's help and I can do all of this by myself. And invariably, people end up drowning in the storms of life that come their way. It happens invariably. All the thing that, things that life have to throw at them, whether it's financial stress, strained relationships, and marriage and family, whether it's sickness, it's addiction, all of these things that can come our way and, nobody ha- and people don't have anybody to lean on. And it seems that people are, are seeking out community less in America as the years go on. Uh, this was from 2020. Uh, Gallup did a poll, so this is a year old. Only 47% of Americans say that they are members of a church as of 2020. And that is the first time, Gallup started that survey in 1940, and that's the first time that that number has ever dropped below the majority since they started in 1940. But that, that stat is just all of America surveyed, and if, if I had to guess, I would venture to say that many people who call themselves Christians or believers are not a part of a community of believers. I mean, many uh, Christians today believe that community, right, is not important, all right? Many, many people believe that, hey, I can do this by myself. I don't need somebody else to help me through. And friends, let me tell us today, that's a dangerous thing to think. That is a dangerous thing for us to think, to let ourselves think that we can go through life by ourselves. Christian community plays a vital role in the life of a believer. And that's what I I want us to look at this morning. I want us to look at uh, the importance of Christian community in the life of the believer, right? And and not only for our graduating seniors here this morning, because definitely as they move on to a new stage of life, this is going to become more important than ever, but also for each of us as believers this morning, I want us to look at how important Christian community is and how often we are, you may have heard it said this way, better together. And this morning, what I, what I want us to look at, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and I encourage you to grab those. We'll be in Acts uh, chapter 2 this morning. What I want us to look at, I'm going to kind of give you a roadmap of where we're going to go, okay? We're going to look at what community can foster in each of our lives, all right? And so I'm just going to give you a roadmap Uh, four things is what we're going to look at this morning. Community fosters uh, love for Christ, awe and worship of our Creator, uh, love for one another, and fosters unity in our mission. That's that's where we're going. Uh, Out of our text of Acts chapter 2 this morning, we'll start in verse 42. But as we kind of get going, let's remind ourselves where we are uh, in Acts. Acts written uh, by Luke is mainly centered around the Acts of the Apostles. It's where it gets its name, Acts of the Apostles. It's going to follow many of the apostles and many key events that took place after the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Christ. that's, That's where we are. And we also get a glimpse of the explosion and the expansion of the early church in the first century. And I believe in Acts, we get uh, some great characteristics of the early church that, are, that can also show us how important Christian community is for us today in 2020. So let's, let's look at Acts chapter 2. I hope you're uh, there, whether you've got your Bible or your phone, app, whatever you have. 
Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. The Bible says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed all pro- the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are thankful for our time together. And God, this morning as we look at Acts chapter 2, God, we pray that you would give us insight. God, that you would show us from your text, God, how important it is that we are a part of a community. God, a community that loves you. God, that puts your word first and puts each other first as well. God, we love you and your praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning, like I said, the first thing we're going to look at is that community fosters love for Christ. Community fosters love for Christ. Look back into our text this morning. Look at verse 42. Simply, you can see this. They, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Look also in verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. When we look at the early church here in Acts, we see that the gathering of believers fosters love for Christ in the lives of individuals. In both, in both verses 42 and 46 there, like we just saw, we see that the people were, were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to meeting in the temple every day. Every single day they devoted themselves. Right? I mean, notice the language that Luke uses here to describe how passionate these believers were about learning the things of God. I mean, they, they weren't just indifferent to the things of God. They weren't indifferent to what the apostles were teaching. They just didn't want to take a little bit of, of, of the apostles' teaching here or there, whatever uh, they had to say. They were so devoted to learning about God that, like, like I said, they, de- they met in the temple every single day. And we see this community of believers so in love with the things of God and so just enriched in what the apostles were teaching that they were spurring each other on to grow in their love and in their knowledge of Christ. They were growing as individual believers in the midst of the community that they were a part of. And I see whenever we think about, we see the example from the early church in Acts, and then we think about us in the 21st century. I mean, one of the best ways for us to grow in our relationship with Christ, one of the best ways for us to grow, I like to say, in our love and knowledge of God is in the midst of a community of believers around in a circle, in a group of people who can sit there and encourage us and say, hey, I see what you're doing. I see how you're growing, and I love that. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. When we're engaged with that community of believers, we're more likely to be challenged and more likely to be growing in our faith journey. 
And I think we, we can't overstate the importance of community after the last 18 months that we've gone through. I think if you look back past uh, the last 18 months throughout uh, the pandemic, right, we were forced to shift to online church, right? And it was a great tool to be used during the pandemic, and it's a great tool still to be used. But let me tell you, online church has its very, very good ways, but it also can do damage to community. It can also uh, take what we see as important in, in gathering as a community, and it can do away with it. Many people today we're seeing, uh, as we're starting to pull out of the pandemic, we're seeing a majority of people, not a majority, but a, a large group of people saying that they will not return to in-person church. The last stat that I looked at, the, the data is still coming out. It, right now, 30% of individuals have not returned to in-person gatherings. And now I'm not going to discount to say that uh, many people are staying, staying at home because they feel that they need to and it's safe for their health. And by all means, yes, I agree. But also many people are simply just content to stay at home and watch church online. That cannot replace the physical gathering of believers today. And we, the early church was not just satisfied. As we, as we look a little differently, we looked at that aspect, but as we just think about church in general, as we think about the gathering of believers in general, if we look at the early church, they were not just satisfied to meet once a week for service as usual, were they? They, they weren't satisfied just to meet once a week for, for an hour and a half and then call it and then come back the next day. No, we see they were devoted every single day to meeting. And so we're starting something new here at the church. Every single day before you go to work, we want you, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. You got really nervous when I started to say that. No, but what I'm saying is we see how important it was for them to grow together. They wanted to be with each other every single day. Their faith was not just a week to week reality. It was day to day. And so as we look at ourselves this morning, as we consider what this says for us, is your community helping you foster your love for Christ in your own life? Is the community that you're a part of helping you grow as a disciple? You must ask yourself that this morning because community fosters love for Christ in the lives of individual believers. Second this morning, community, the second thing community fosters, community fosters awe and worship of our Creator fosters awe and worship our Creator. Look back at our text this morning in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Skip down to, again, verse 47, or, or the second half of verse 46, excuse me. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved, community fosters awe and worship of our Creator. If we look back before our passage this morning, just directly before that, we see the event, the amazing event that was brought about by the hand of God at Pentecost, all right? And we see that. We see the Holy Spirit fall at Pentecost. We see the gospel message. We see Peter pro boldly proclaiming what he has saw. He has seen the resurrected Savior, 
and he is boldly proclaiming to all the people. And we see all people from different nations and languages come to know Christ. With Scripture telling us, if you look just back in verse 41, right before what we read this morning, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And that's something to, to praise God for, isn't it? And these, these, are, these members of the earliest church cannot help but praise God for seeing the things that, that he is doing among them. He cannot help but praise God for seeing his hand at work among all of them. And, and there in verse 43, like we read, Luke says that the people were in awe of the signs that were being performed through the apostles. And the Greek word that, that's translated awe there is the same word that's often used as, as reverence or fear as well. We see the, the believers, there's a reverence among the people. Uh, uh, there was a holy fear among the people as they sat and marveled at all that God was doing in their midst. And again, in verse 47, it says, praising God and enjoying all the favor of all the people. They were praising God for all that was happening in their midst. And this morning, I just want us to ask ourselves, as we did in the last point, do, does awe and worship play a part in our gatherings with our community? Do we, do we allow ourselves to sit and marvel at what God is doing? Do we allow ourselves to, to sit maybe as we sing uh, worship, as, as Nathan leads us in worship, or do we allow ourselves to sit and really marvel in awe at who God is? Do we have a deeper appreciation for the things that God is doing? And, 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 and past this building, past from what happens in here on Sunday mornings, do we have a posture of worship as we leave? I mean, do, as we live our day-to-day -day lives, is there, is there just a posture of worship as we go about our lives. Because we know that worship isn't just singing songs on Sunday. Worship should be just a mode that we live our lives in every single day, sitting in awe of who God is. In awe and in worship of what he is doing in our lives and the lives of individuals. So do we allow ourselves to, to marvel and to be in awe and to worship what God is doing in our midst? That's another question you must ask yourself. So that's number two, Com Christian community fosters awe and worship of our creator. Number three, Christian community fosters love for one another. It fosters love for one another. Look at verse 45. They sold their possessions and all property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. We can see here that this community of believers had an immense love for one another. And here, just in those couple verses, we can see just a few ways that this community fosters love for one another. One, in verse 45, we see the giving of possessions. Right? In verse 45, they sold their possessions and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Generosity marked the early church. It, it marked uh, these, this community of believers. They gave freely and without limitation. I mean, th just think about it. They were selling their own possessions. 
They were selling their possessions and giving the money to those who were in need. I mean, think about it this way. Think if you had out in your driveway or in a shed in your backyard, you had, I mean, the perfect sports car. Whatever your, whatever your kind of car is, whatever your dream car is, you had that in your backyard. And, you're, and, and you know that there is a person in your church that has an immense need. There is an immense need for a person in your community. And you were saying, okay, no, no thought about it. It's, it's gone, sold. And all the money is going to that person. That's what marked the early church. They said, whatever we have to do, whatever we have to do to make sure that none of our people, none of, no one in our community goes without, we will sell whatever we need. This wasn't government mandated. This wasn't socialism. It wasn't anything like that. It was a generous spirit that marked the early church. No one in their community was going to go without. If they saw a need, they met a need in their community. That's one way we see them fostering love for each other. But another way we see is uh, the breaking of bread or fellowship, right? We see that in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but also to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then also in verse 46, they, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with, joy, with joyful and sincere hearts. And, and one of the things that I love, if we think about and we look back to Jesus's earthly, Jesus's earthly ministry. Look, just take, just let's think about Jesus's earthly ministry for just a second. What I love is that we see a large part of his ministry, of Jesus doing ministry around tables. We see Jesus doing a lot, pouring into many, many people, doing ministry around tables, over meals, and in people's homes. Here's just a few examples, all from the book of Luke. Jesus ate with Levi, the tax collector, in Luke 5. He eats a meal with 5,000 in Luke chapter 9. He dines with Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. He invites himself to eat at Zacchaeus' house in Luke 19. He has his last meals with his disciples in Luke chapter 22. And in each of these meals, love was being fostered for each of the people present. And those were only just a few examples. There are numerous more that we can see. And here we see in the early church in Acts, they're following Jesus' example. I mean, they, they take the intimate setting of a meal and they fellowship together and they foster love for one another. And, and when we look back at both of these examples, right, the giving of possessions and, and table fellowship with one another, there's something that characterizes both of these examples. There's something that, that characterizes this love that they had for each other. And what I think we see in both of these examples is that they had to slow down long enough to see each other. They had to slow down long enough to see each other and to see what was going on in each other's lives. And, and when we slow down long enough to see, uh, see each other and care for one another and love one another, that is when we foster love in our community. I mean, we can, we can get so tied up in the things that we have to do and all the things that we have going in our lives that the needs of others in our community can become on the back burner. They can be placed in the back of our mind. And we, when we allow ourselves to slow down and see the members of our community around us, we are able to love one another as we should and as Jesus commanded us. If you remember in Matthew 22, 
right? When, when the religious leaders asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest and most important command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love one another selflessly and sacrificially, just as the early church modeled for us. And our last point, whatever, what community fosters, number four, community fosters unity in our mission. Christian community fosters unity in our mission. Uh, We see that a couple of different ways. Look again in verse 42. We already talked about the devotion that marked the early church. Look in verse 44 as well. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. And then again in 46, again, we see devotion that marks the early church. And we, t- we touched on this briefly earlier, but I just want to hit it one more time. We see again that word devotion, devoted. They had an intensity, an intensity about them when it came to growing and in Christ, and then as a result, growing the church as well. Right? They, they knew where they wanted to go all right, and what they wanted to do, and they were going to take whatever it took to get there. There was an immense sense of unity within the early church. And when I was thinking about this, one of my favorite sports movies is, came out in 2005. It's called Coach Carter. Has anybody seen Coach Carter before? It's a great movie. Awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it to you. Samuel L. Jackson plays a coach. It's based on a true story of Richmond High School in, over in California. True story. Ken Carter was the coach of Richmond High School. He had played for Richmond High School. Uh, When he was in high school, he came back as a coach to a school that was dysfunctional, to a school that was crumbling, to a team that was dysfunctional, to a basketball team that was so, so dysfunctional. And when he got there, he, he made each of the students sign a contract, each of the basketball players sign a contract that said that they would uh, hit a certain GPA in order to be able to play basketball, so that they would work on, focus on their grades and what they were doing in the classroom. Many of them reluctantly signed it, but there were a couple that didn't want anything to do with that. They didn't want anything, anything to do with signing no contract. So they walked out, they left, they quit the team. And later on, the team starts to become very successful. They start winning games. And one of the gentlemen that, that walked out of the gym on that initial day, he comes back to Coach Carter and says, Coach, can I, can I rejoin the team? Can, can, can I come back and play for your team? And Coach Carter says, yeah, you, you can come back and play, but as long as you do a set amount of exercises that you have to complete before this day. And it, I mean, it was outlandish. I mean, there was no way this kid was going to complete all the exercises that Coach Carter had set out for him. But he, he got to work. Every single day, the team was practicing in the gym. Uh, this gentleman was on the sidelines, and he was doing those exercises. Coach Carter assigned that guy a counter to count how many he was doing every day to make sure he hit his goal. And eventually, the very last day came, and uh, practice was over, and Coach Carter called him over and said, well, you didn't meet your goal. And everybody kind of looked around at each other, and you could tell they were like, well, he's going to let him play. He'll, he'll let him play. He got close. And Coach Carter looked at him and said, please leave my gym. You're no longer on the team. Please leave my gym. 
And he, and the, the gentleman, he knew he hadn't reached his goal. And so he turned around to leave. He started to leave and he was going to walk out of the gym until one of his teammates walked up and said, I'll do the exercises for him. I'll, I'll do the exercises for him. I'll do the push-ups. I'll do the up-downs. Whatever he has to do, I'll do them for him. And then one by one, every single one of his teammates came and said, I'll do the exercises for him. I'll do them. If I can do them for him and he can play, we'll do whatever he needs to do. We'll do whatever we need to do to make sure that he is a part of this team and he plays with us. That team was unified. Every single one of their people, every single one of them was on a mission and they knew this guy's going to play for us and we're going to do whatever we need to do to make sure that he does. And it's a sad reality today that many churches are not united in their mission. Many, many churches today are not united. Many churches do not have the same intensity and the same desire for their church. I mean, some, some people think the church should go this way and others think it should go this way. And some churches have already thrown in the towel. A lot of churches throw in the towel. You can look up the statistics on churches that close every single year. And many of them close due to disunity. And church, Satan wants nothing more for churches all over the world to be divided. He wants nothing more than for all churches divided. He wants nothing more than for Eastridge Baptist Church in Red Oak, Texas to be as divided as possible. And when churches are divided, Satan gains a foothold into the life of the church. And as a church, we must be united in the mission that God has given us and the mission that we have as a church to make disciple-making disciples. God has given us that uh, charge. He has given us that command in Matthew 28. We know, we see it, we read it. And so we must be unified going one way in one mission as much as possible. And so what do, what do we do with this this morning? What do we do with, with Christian community? How does that apply to each and every one of us? Three things and then we're done real quick. And way of application, number one, invest in a community of believers. Invest in a community of believers. Let me tell you, this, this is a truth, and I, I believe this with all, of, with all of me. You can come to worship service on Sunday morning and not invest in a community of believers. You can come to worship service on Sunday morning and still not be investing in a community of believers. We can sit in this room and be in here for worship and still not be truly a part of a community of believers. And we believe that community is important. Each of us, Casey and I, and, and many, many of us believe that community is important. And for us, that's where our Bible studies come into play. That's where that, that small group of people come into play. That is where growth, that is where discipleship takes place. That is where we grow and we are a part of a community. And like this morning, I, this morning I say, if you are not plugged into one of those, if you're not plugged into a small Bible study, I encourage you with everything that I have to plug into one. I encourage you, it is imperative that you as a believer are connected to a small community of believers in this church. It is imperative, and I believe that with everything that I have. So one, invest in a community of believers. Number two, slow down and recognize the needs of your community. 
slow down and recognize the needs of your community. We saw this, we, I touched on this earlier. Right? We saw the early church had to slow down and see who was in need and what their community needed. And oftentimes there are members of our community that are hurting and we can just simply miss it because we don't take the time to slow down and look around us. And so what, what would it look like for you this week to stop and to slow down and, and, and recognize and, and see the need of someone in your community? What would it look like for you to stop this week and, and just call someone in your Bible study group? Hey, how have you been? What does what, what your work week look like? How, how can I pray for you this week? I, I'm at Starbucks. Do you want anything? I'll come by the house. Give me your order. Or, or how can, can I just stop by after work? Can I just stop by on my way home and encourage you? Can, can I just stop by on my way home from, and, and pray with you? You're on my heart this week. I just, I just want to stop by on my way home from work and pray with you this week. I mean, maybe it looks like for you to, to invite your community over for a meal. I know that COVID still is a thing, but it looks like maybe we're coming out of that now. I mean, maybe what does it look like for you to share a meal with others around a table? And we saw how important table fellowship was to Jesus, to the early church. And I think it can be a great way for us to slow down and recognize the needs of our community. And then third, and then third and finally, and we're done. Allow yourself to be known by your community. Allow yourself to be known by your community. Allowing ourselves to be known is one of the scariest things as humans. Allowing ourselves to be known goes against our nature. And what does it mean to be truly known? What does it, what does it mean to be truly known? I, I, just, I wrote it down this way. I said, being known means to cross from acquaintanceship to relationship. And, and what is a relationship? And I, I defined a relationship this way. A relationship, vulnerable, vulnerability over time vulnerability over time. And when, when, you become, when you begin to become known, when the people of your community truly know you and know what's happening in your life and know what is going on, those people can come alongside you. And they can carry you through those, those tough times of life, through those storms of life that will inevitably come. They can speak life and the truth of Scripture into you. And that's what being known is truly about allowing people into our lives to speak the truth of the gospel to us. That's what being known is about. And so this morning, graduating seniors, church, I challenge each of us to be a part of a community. I challenge us, like I said at the very beginning, to be better together. Because Together, as a community of believers, we will have a much larger and a much bigger kingdom impact than we will apart. Invest in your community of believers today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. This morning, you may be here and you may be looking for a community of believers. You may recognize this morning that you have not slowed down and found the need in your life for a community of believers. Maybe you're here this morning and 
You're looking for a church family, a church community to be a part of. Maybe you're looking for a church that you can come and partner with to do the work of ministry in your life. We would love for Eastridge to be that place. I'll be here at the front as Nathan leads worship here in a few moments, and I'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that before you enter into a community of believers, before you enter into a relationship with the community, you need to enter into a relationship with Christ. Maybe you recognize that you have not trusted as Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have not repented of your sins. Today can be that day, and I would love to do that with you. Maybe this morning as Nathan leads us in a time of response, you would just simply pray. You would just simply pray and say, God, show me the needs of my community. God, help me to to slow down and see the people around me, to see who is hurting, to see who I can minister to. Father God, we are, again, thankful for today. God, we're thankful for the ways that you have gifted each and every one of us. And God, as we think about our text this morning, God, we just pray that you would impress upon each and every one of us the importance and the desire to be a part of a community. God, to to invest in the lives of those around us. God, to push back darkness as a community. God, to win this city, God, this state and this nation for you. God, for each and every one of us this morning, I pray that we would invest in our community. God, if there's someone here this morning that isn't part of a community, God, I pray that you would impress upon their hearts the importance of that. God, again, we are thankful for the time you've given us this morning. God, be with our graduating seniors again. God, as they go off to college and as they start a a new chapter of their life, God, we pray that you would Help them find a community of believers. God, we, help, we pray that you would show them a community of believers that they can become a part of. God, that they can invest in. God, to where they can be poured into. God, we pray the same truth for each and every one of us here this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.